Welcome to Weed Society Interviews, where I interview people from all over California's cannabis industry to help the society tell its story and to give you a glimpse of what it means to be California cannabis. Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of Weed Society Interviews. In this episode, we are interviewing Saul Ventless from Fully Melted. You can find him on Instagram at Saul underscore Vent underscore Less. Um, you can also find him at hash dash club.com or fully melted.com and in this episode uh it's really our first episode and it's the first time i've ever tried making a podcast or anything so wasn't too sure how to go about it we kind of just started talking after taking a dab and uh, it just started rolling so i hope you guys enjoy it um and i'm gonna really work on trying to add some more structure and making these better as they go hope you guys find me uh at weedsociety.com at justin Add me on the connections. Try to get in that first 1,000 so you guys can be in the, in the beta group for testing our, our statewide delivery network for some of our brands coming online. All right. See you there. Just went to Hate Street the other day. Yeah, and he, he loves your guys' stuff. He was just happy as can be to get it. Yay. Yeah, so to even meet you, that's it's, going to blow it is a, It is a pleasure meeting all of these people who, you know, like what we do it's always good to like you know be appreciated for your work i'm kind of been you know just grinding in the background for so fucking long now and i i wanted to be in a position where i was not the face of the company anymore because i've just you know I've, I've sort of aged out of that being important to me Yeah, I'd love to go over that and talk about the company and mm -hmm. backstory and the struggles you guys have gone through, especially with the last partner and how cool and unique this these specific hash club grams mm -hmm. really are. I just love the little bead thing. I mean, that's just so... It definitely it's a, it makes it turn. It oh yeah, a lot more yeah, it gets it off of the you know, gets it onto the wall, and it's it's. That's so smooth. Is that? It's some. That's so smooth. That's that's. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's dope. It's dope. <laughs> it's some brilliant technology. Yeah, I got to tell you. And that's that's the greenhouse um, sour diesel. Yeah. That's what I But this is actually a, a this is a um, hoop house greenhouse, mm -hmm. so it's yes. so it's pretty much outdoor for most of its time cycle. It's uncovered before you start blacking it. Oh, yeah, that's solid. Yeah, and then I'm interested in the trikes. Yes. The trikes, and that's really interesting. Yeah, and they're just. Wow, that's just won't even grab on there. They're really hard to get now. I mean, no, the stores, nobody knows what they are, and they're, uh, you know, you got to keep them the cold and keep them yeah, what they need to be. Yeah, hot. yeah, that's the that's the ticket. And so you know, and I've been explaining that. I'm talking to these guys. This vape store. Oh, I went to a beautiful vape store today. The uh, Fumare. And those guys were totally into it. And, you know, like, yeah, you can't fucking get this shit anywhere. It's like, yeah, the buyers don't know what it is. They're, you know, they're corporate guys now. Or, you know, they're hired by a corporate entity. And they're, 
you know, there's fewer and fewer weed people in the weed business anymore. It's, you know, I always knew from running the harbor side that, you know, eventually you're going to realize it's, it's just like running a liquor store. You just have weed, you know, but the intensity at which, uh, big money players have come and tried to set up brands that were, you know, meaninglessly copying uh, a feel of the ideas of weed and, you know, like I'm going to brand the peace sign and sell you weed with a peace sign because we're a big fucking corporation that wants to sell you weed. It's just such a slap in the face and insult to everything (laughs) that weed is about. And I think, you know, uh, most, most people who use cannabis products understand that and they're like wait you just tore my whole you know uh anti-societal culture away from me and are trying to sell it back to me wrapped in some brand packaging Mm -hmm. and uh it's and lamer product for at a greater expense with a gouging tax to boot you know it's it's really a fucking complete insult and you know if you're in that position where you're not growing your own or know how or have the time or capacity or even if you do and you like other people's weed too you're sort of in this uh you know you're forced into still being a criminal because legalization didn't mean that you were really going to be free to use the plant. have your own trafficking or exchange market of the plant. Uh, it meant that you were free to use a uh, commodity market that was going to be controlled by, by capital. Mm-hmm. And since the industry as a whole is always illegal it was never uh, a smart thing to uh, gather capital you couldn't keep capital you couldn't bank capital you couldn't build capital structures you couldn't build real estate empires you couldn't build legitimate legal facilities because it was illegal so no matter yeah so no matter how big you were or whatever you had, you had to do this complete changeover to get into regulation and then not make any money. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people are not too happy about how it's wound up. Yeah, no, Prop 64 has really, really been a catch-22 for a lot of people. <laughs> see that for sure. Yes, it was sold with a lot of promise, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of reading to do. Mm. And I think people have people have figured out that uh, you can sell the voting public uh, a lot of garbage if they have to read a lot, and you, they absolutely won't. And if you do your branding and messaging correctly and put enough money behind it, you can you know sell them a total poison pill. Yep. Yeah, we definitely see that in the industry. A bunch of garbage just being sold to people. And it's yeah. just whoever has the marketing money yep. to put it in packaging and have it there to be bought is what's winning. Yeah, it's it's like this whole slick packaging ethos taken straight from, you know, the ad magazine or was it ad week or you know whatever you know and these and the guys coming into the industry are all marketing guys and you know number grinding dudes and um that whole uh 
concept that this plant was going to change cultural values and you know the entire medical market being wiped out unwittingly by voting yes on another initiative, on a proposition, which is the only way to overturn or undermine propositions by which medical marijuana was made legal. So you've basically eliminated the whole medical market and stranded yourself in this way that you can't get it. You can't get it at a low tax yeah. burden and you can't get the kind of product quality. Exactly. Cause I, like I have my medical card and so I just don't pay sales tax. Mm-hmm. Still have to pay excise tax, mm-hmm. still getting wrapped in that local city tax. Oh yeah. Like, so. And no one wants to make a medical product because I mean, for the first year of regulation, they allowed dispensaries to fork the, any product that came in that was from a medical manufacturer, you had a, you were supposed to apply for a medical or a recreational license exactly. or pay more to be both. And so they allowed dispensaries that had product on hand or manufacturers that had product on hand that was medically oriented to be sold as recreational. Um, but then they locked that down so that any medical product could only be sold to a medical patient. Mm-hmm. meaning that you have a lot of stranded inventory either in the manufacturing side or in the retail side or in the distribution chain somewhere because if it's not going to a medical buyer it ain't going to get sold and now with this kind of blowback against buying anything that's over two months old any product that's sitting on the shelf anywhere is dead in the yeah. water and so no one wants to touch the medical side exactly because it has to stay on the medical side it's not like you can repurpose it and switch it over to be wreck after that yeah yeah, hundred percent. It's it's as if there was a very deep calculation about how to ruin every aspect of a functioning sort of quasi legal market. Yeah, it's like they really, really assessed everything that was that we were getting away with, and we were getting away with a lot. You know, given yeah. given the fact that the government was too ignorant and lame to take the task of controlling the medical market that the federal government presented with the coal memo mm-hmm. look if you manage your reg if you regulate your medical market properly we'll be hands off and you can do what you want but the state repeatedly ignored that and so the green rush medical market which allowed for a huge black market output to be grown under the auspices of being medical uh exploded and you had this just vast uh underground overground uh market blossoming with no regulatory control strictly because the state was felt that they it was unimportant to them Mm-hmm. And once they realized that there was some huge tax I mean, value, yeah, some money, exactly. some, you know, some other something agency the they could create funds. and hire themselves to do something else. Uh, yeah, they they chomped down on it. And then they I think they made a pretty good assessment of how to ruin almost every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. No, I'd agree. <laughs> You'd like, I'd like to think they were just stupid and blindly, you know, fumbling along with it. But it's just there's so many ways, there's so many layers in which Prop 64 just jacked everything. Mm. So, yeah, that's very true. 
Hey, well, let's, uh, that was an unorthodox start, start to this uh, podcast slash video, but... Um, Yes, what's your, what's your, what is your, where where are we? What's this podcast? What are we talking about? Um, So this is the start of Weed Society interviews where really I'm focusing on telling the niche stories of true craft cannabis in California. Right on. Because it's, it's understated and it needs to be told the truth so that those brands that we talked about that have the money to be flashy, people realize that those are mids and that's the shit nobody should be smoking on. Well, it's brands like Fully Melted and other ones that are hidden that a lot of the community really does know about, but doesn't know how to get to like your hash club well it's so funny i'll tell you um your partner matt Mm -hmm. super nice guy so i uh in a second year of meadowlands which is the kind of weed industry camp out Mm -hmm. uh, i know all those guys you know i was on the board of cow growers and i you know we used to have our meetings at meadow and so uh, uh David and his team or you know I, I know all those guys really great great people and I I'd gone to the um I skip by I think I did I make it to the first Meadowlands I'm not sure I really I really wanted to get to the second one but I was so busy mm-hmm. trucking up and down the road to Humboldt and trying to you know manage the business and dealing with being obliterated and having my distributors fail and just you know all the hustle that you got to do to be in the biz I just didn't sign up for it and I I called up you know Hua and I was like look man I just want to I just want to bomb in there for a night and he's like just just show up you know and so I drive in and uh hang out you know mm-hmm. meet you know all of my people and hang out and sesh out and I crash in my van in the parking lot and I wake up at like five in the morning and I get out of my van I'm like oh I'm gonna go I'm gonna go fucking down to the thing and take a leak and I and I go and I I walk across the parking lot and this dude's come dude comes rolling in Mm -hmm. from partying all night and he's like hey bro how you doing and I'm like hey man how are you and we just started and we were just and the sun was coming up and we just started talking about how tough the industry had become and like Mm -hmm. all the challenges and but you know loving the weed loving the weed all the good people here trying to make it through and they're like oh, growing some great weed and he's like and he's got this uh, uh, pre-roll business and he's making shit happen and I'm like right on I got this rosin business try some of my rosin and he's like right on this sounds great man I love this and I'm like super man well I'll see you down the road and and then I didn't you know, and then, you know I didn't see that guy again for until this other woman I've been working with said I have a guy in Sacramento you should meet and so I called him up he's like bro fully melted I fucking love you I love your rosin man let's get together and I'm like oh right you man and it's weird because you know sometimes you're in the you know you're in the middle of whatever and you meet some guy you know I mean I've been to a fucking million dead shows you meet some fucking crazy dude in the parking lot you're like oh my god you know who's this who's this maniac I just met whatever but he's but he's such a fucking nice guy and he's so real and he's like really into the weed and we start talking and so you know we had set up the bing bong the classic Turn off your phone. Oh, it's okay. You just get it out later. Yeah, it's okay. Right. We're gonna just let it roll. I'm not. These first episodes are gonna be pretty raw. Yeah. Um, the story come out. So, uh, in the course of the year, we had we had set up the hash club, mm-hmm. and with this these folks out of the wine industry who had been really successful at doing uh, internet direct sales of wine um, jumped over into the weed biz mm-hmm. and they had a really great platform and they seemed like seemed like you know good folks but they were not really weed people and they they bit off a lot without really having the money to set up 
the extent of what they were doing and they weren't ready to handle the the uh the challenges they hadn't quite assessed things well enough and they um crashed and didn't tell anyone and like super just hid out and stopped answering all their phones and stopped dealing with anybody and i still have not heard from them to this day That's and wild. then they then then they texted people and uh you know so they they stiffed I and mean, i had a, my friend who introduced me to them stiffed him hundreds of thousands of dollars of product was in their warehouse Easy. and they yeah they so they just burned all these people on fortunes and in in product and then tried to maneuver in order to hold on to their license so they could sell their license by by maintaining it on the bcc by not reporting to the bcc which you have 72 hours to do mm. that they had stopped business so it was really fucked up and it fucked up a lot of people and it, and it crashed me for five six months and i was you know just hustling all around to try and you know get more retail accounts and keep things going and keep it going and uh so when i met up with matt again i was like bro you know i got re- i got delivery and you know yeah. we should do the hash club and i'm like fuck yeah and you mm-hmm. are you know have the whole back into the internet stuff dialed in enough that we could jump right on it and what i'm finding from certainly talking to all these people at the front end and all the glass shops and the grow shops is that the demand for you know for my product is mm-hmm. huge and the access through the market is nil exactly. and the tax on a luxury good diamond grade product is a a killer so you know for us to be able to work together and to discount it properly so that you know we are both getting it done Mm -hmm. and getting it to the consumer at at a fair price is is huge and it takes somebody who's into weed if you're just into the biz and into you know running a you know running your shop that's only looking at you know what mids are selling through and what package is selling you know or and you know inventory days exactly then and you're not looking at this real points of the market and you know where the people who really appreciate cannabis are are heading then you're pushing all of these people toward the traditional market Mm -hmm. and you know leaving this whole chunk on the table and making it difficult for small craft businesses who are trying to do craft product within the fucking stranglehold that regulation has become well just with the, the supply chain that's that's where i really see the issue and really gave the inspiration on, on my side starting d2c fulfillment with matt and with weed society is that the supply chain forces brands to be two people away from the customer mm-hmm. so they never own the customer never get to shake their hand never get to actually say hey this is my product this is how i make it this is the love i put into it yeah so then you're never truly able to articulate the value of your product to your consumer right Right. So we're already in a devalued market and then you have bud tenders that are running through a hundred different brands and the coolest ones are the hottest ones with the most money and right. And your dopest nichest little product that's in the corner in the freezer, that's going to get you the cleanest, best high of your life. Nobody talks about it. And, you know, for me to get, you know, into an appointment with a buyer can take weeks or months and to float enough, uh, you know, completely discounted or free product to his staff so that we can have a staff education day so that, you know, they can smoke some of the product and get with it because they can't take a gram off the shelf and smoke it uh, like 
we used to do at Harborside, uh, <laughs> uh, in the back room, uh, and, you know, find out what it is, you know, the, the expense of kind of getting through all these barriers is just impossible and brutal for a small farmer and small farmers are more and more turned to then just pushing out their product in as a bulk seller when it's super high grade you know carefully prepared carefully uh grown lovingly tended cannabis and you know that's that's a huge crime and the the implements the impedance within the counties to uh being able to manage your own grow to being able to trim your own weed to have Mm -hmm. on-site services so that you can take care of your crop and package your crop is also another real detriment to the chain and in you know chapter seven of my you know nine points against prop 64 this really brutal weird law that makes it illegal to have a cooperative Mm -hmm. so in every other business in the world farmers join together to create farming cooperatives and marketing cooperatives. Mm -hmm. And they made a cap on the number of businesses that could work together in a cooperative in the cannabis industry as four businesses, which means that there's no way that you can implement, I mean, down tap the roads in Humboldt where there's growing, there's more than four farms on that business. So, you know, you have to form two different co-ops to be able to buy enough dirt to get it at a reasonable price or to manage the services of packaging your product or Mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, label printing or whatever the kind of things that you would, you know, services you would buy in bulk and get a reasonable deal on is now completely cornered by verticalized, heavily capitalized uh, mids producers. For yeah, the no, <laughs> yeah. no, to reach economies of scale, you got to do it one way or the other. Yeah. For sure. <sighs> it's rough. But hey, that's why we're fighting the good fight right here. Well, right yeah, you know, that's what I, that's what Saul Ventless says in all his videos. You know, the fucking Prop 64 is grinding me up and this business <laughs> is fucking me up. But at least I can get fully melted. <laughs> well, I think you should uh, go ahead and dive into to fully melted. What, what's the reason behind the name? Tell us more about. <laughs> well, I think the reason behind the name is pretty obvious. If you don't get this joke, then you you've never been fully melted. Uh, well, full melt is a. <clears throat> In the development of hash making, which kind of came around in, in like 1984 when I was growing weed in Humboldt County and we started screening mm-hmm. our weed through triple O mesh we'd buy and built these trays that we could screen it right onto a piece of glass and get all our hash. And as you kind of grew up in the weed industry, uh, you the hash ball is, and there's a, there's a chapter in my book about it, mm-hmm. about the hash ball because when you're trimming weed you get hash forming on your scissors and your fingers and that ball of hash is so potent and so much more powerful than the weed itself Mm -hmm. that the people who tend to become professional weed trimmers are just chasing the hash ball and we we, what do we call it up there the uh, scooby treats and uh what did they used to call it in this uh trim barn i worked in uh filler 
So you'd, you'd be smoking these bombers all day of dynamite fucking honeydew weed. <laughs> but we just called that filler mm-hmm. because you were just waiting to smoke that hash ball. Oh, like yeah. the, all the weed in the world you smoked, the most yes. amazing weed yeah. is just like, it's just filler waiting for the hash. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and historically, if you, you know, study it, no other culture smokes weed. Uh, the Indians are like, you smoke weed. You know, you're, what are you, fucking crazy fucking baboon? You know, like, you, you take the hash. The plant is creating this Resin. fruit, mm-hmm. this hash, this perfume that you can remove. And it's you're not burning plant material. You're not fucking up your lungs. It's giving you all of the uh, concentrated element that you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the rest is, is just kind of junk. And, and as the evolution came when... And people started making water process hash and realized that trichomes sink in water and plant yeah, material floats that you could that you could just get the really good part out and as that developed into uh you know my partner is one of the kind of first people with uh, books uh in out of Seattle that started mm-hmm. fresh freezing their weed and trying to just get the trichomes off of a fresh frozen plant mm-hmm. and finding that the the terpene capture and the the product value was just off the charts so there's been this evolution of all of these components getting towards you know live rosin which is the uh, expeller pressed oil coming out of a fresh frozen trichome mm-hmm. um, and my partner had uh, tried to get uh, his license, a micro business in Sonoma and he was well set up, he had a great 215 brand, uh, Wooksauce Winery and they had been he'd been doing great work but he got jacked by the regulations specifically to sonoma county which prohibited um micro business Hmm. because the and and i i tell people you know when they're planning their weed business there's just so many potholes that you you can't even imagine Mm -hmm. so Sonoma was pretty weed friendly uh, to a degree, but the zoning board would not allow a business, a micro business, which is three different businesses, mm-hmm. because it no one had a property that was zoned in three different zonings. So they wanted you, if you farmed, to be zoned agriculture. Oh, they didn't have any mixed mixed use zoning in, in Sonoma? No. What? Well, <laughs> they do have some muley somewhere, yeah. but my partner, perhaps he hadn't considered that because he wanted, you know, an ag Whatever property. Was, and the planning board is the one that tells you yes or no. So right. they told him no. Right. That's the bottom line. And, you know, the muley, does your muley cross over to retail or does it, you know, which, yeah. which, which does it, where do you get to, to put your, your stake down so he got jacked and we were introduced by another uh, friend of mine and i said uh come with me because i had a licensed facility in in humboldt that i was converting to solventless because i had mm. been doing co2 and had a distillation lab and oh interesting and you like co2 i hated it it was the Pepper. worst um, <laughs> well hello Are you, gonna say um, now? you know it's it's always like you know the next worst decision of your life was this or that but uh, my partner convinced me that we should, um, my partner in that company convinced me that we should buy the most expensive CO2 extractor made at the time, mm-hmm. the Waters, which is, you know, Waters is a multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical uh, equipment company. And they were, had taken from one of their subdivisions, somebody's uh, flower essence extraction equipment and started 
trying to sell it to the weed industry. Mm. And it was uh, quite an ill-conceived and expensive venture because they didn't understand anything about weed or know that it was the stickiest substance known to man (laughs) and that their equipment would become completely gummed up and impossible to clean and hard to uh, get your yields out of and and it you know really wanted you to be finessing it incredibly and you know in the end in the beginning it was like oh co2 i'm going co2 forget butane i'm not going to be blowing anybody up i'm not going to be poisoning anybody with you know petroleum gases and la 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 i remember when i was getting ready to build a lab that they said co2 was like supposed to be the scalpel of the extraction game Ooh, right yeah. it's supposed to be the sharpest nice thing, right no no uh, it's the bluntest scalpel in your in your toolkit time, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, it's and uh, you know I came out when I quit uh, working at at Harborside a long time ago and left the industry because I was so pissed off. I started a solar company mm-hmm. and eventually I became extremely well educated in solar technology and I understood. I came to I did a lot of the training, the California Energy training, and understood that solar is really not a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, rooftop solar is a poor implementation of the technology and really problematic and the real problem is that in the what's called the loading order adding energy to an inefficient system is not only dumb uh it's the la- you know adding energy is always the last part of the equation and when you add energy to a really inefficient system it's really just stupid and money wasting <laughs> and i you know, i came to that you know i had to quit my company came to blows with my partner because he wanted to sell this guy a fifty thousand dollar system and the guy it turned out had no insulation in his attic and insulating his attic for five grand would cut his power bill by 400 a month and he wouldn't need a $50,000 yeah. solar system. Uh, so, and I, you know, went through LED and a lot of energy thinking and came to this, uh, you know, same kind of thinking about CO2. You know, CO2 is a byproduct of petrochemical cracking. Mm-hmm. So just like butane is made in the distillation of uh, petroleum, CO2 is a byproduct of distilling petroleum and making gases in the Mm. same way so the gas itself you may think is cleaner although co2 does seem to be one of our major environmental problems they measure for carbon footprint (laughs) yeah i'm just i'm just busting co2 out tank after tank and the uh to get CO2 in a supercritical state, you have to hyper-pressurize and cool and heat, so you're running a lot of electricity. You're, yeah, you're, those, those units were ridiculously expensive. Yeah. I saw them at all the yeah. shows that we... Well, the, the, the equipment's hey. super expensive, but you're running all this parallel equipment that is sucking a ton of energy. Mm-hmm. You're freezing and you're heating and yeah, you're freezing. at all. No. So when you kind of, when you try to go gram by gram, what's my energy footprint and how am I going to, you know, what is really the logical choice and for me you know being a hippie forever what is the green opportunity here and i started looking at you know what can i do with solventless and the realization like just stumbling in because i'm an old old geezer (laughs) i'm not out on the cutting edge of weed usually Mm -hmm. Uh, i kind of did that for a long time and like moved on with my life Uh, but now i just kind of fell back into it gracefully because uh wook introduced me to live 
rosin and we were able to convert our facility we were building to doing nothing but live production and i was designing my own uh extraction equipment for kind of bubble creation trichome mm-hmm. winnowing i call it the winnower because it's uh it's like you're winnowing the chaff from the the wheat you're mm-hmm. getting the trichomes yeah. off the plant uh and so we could kind of work at a at a relatively commercial scale at a small commercial scale and get really excellent trichomes right off the plant and then press for rosin and make a live product and once you start smoking the live rosin you're you're just astounded by the clarity of the product the the terpene delivery the taste the effect the smoothness the and the more you kind of research and knowing from co2 you know every every chemical that you use to extract has a a molecular affinity it leaves a signature on it yes yes and so you know people have figured out that you know gas combinations and certain kind of gases do pull cannabinoids and terpenes some extremely efficiently yeah propane butane blends right Mm -hmm. but you're, you know, I've always been anti-chemical. I'm deep into Chinese medicine. I'm into organic food. I'm into all alternative healing. I don't think we should be using chemicals to do anything. Although, you know, great. I'm not, you know, of course, I'm not going to walk everywhere. You know, obviously, I'm in a society that is driven by chemistry and, and uh, working within that. But just in the same way that I want to eat only organic food and have clean water, I want my weed to be prepared with water and a rosin press at most so that I'm getting this purest, clean, flawless, uh, unaltered, uh, true to the plant product. Mm-hmm. And that is what, you know, we've been delivering it at fully melted for the last, you know, year and a half since we were fired it up since we fired it up yeah no i i definitely watching people consume live rosin and bubble hash and these other solventless extracts i haven't met a single person who hasn't really truly appreciated them compared to bho extracts yeah the minute you taste the difference you're like whoa and you know there was this huge move toward ethanol everybody's like oh chilled ethanol is where it's at it's you know this is the this is the move and everybody's spending a fortune on cold ethanol and and like okay what's yeah (laughs) and if you yeah it's like when you uh taste if you line up you take the same product you take the same flour and you extract it five different ways you get five different flavors and the flavor of the bubble hash is the flavor of <laughs> what the plant created. Yeah, no, because when you're doing that d- short path distillation and you're going in and getting it to that purity of 98%, if you're getting second, third pass, people are trying to, or at least people are trying to achieve purity percentages up that high. You lose all the plant. Although I got to say, I, I hate the term, I hate the term bubble hash and I try never to use it because it's really, you know, was just based on the fact that the, the, the hash was of such purity that it was vaporizing. So you're seeing it bubble up when it heats up to a, to its vapor point. And, um, these are the trichomes. Yeah, that's, that's not a, I, I, I kind of, I, I like defined terms and, and, uh, scientific terms. So I have branded all of our trichome products as trichomes, mm-hmm. either live or not, because, uh, you know, bubble hash is, uh, 
it's kind of meaningless. Oh, try it. Oh, for sure. You bet. <laughs> Put it on camera. Um, which, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it will vaporize. Yeah. Um, so back to fully melted. So the term after bubble hash, you know, because bubble hash can comes in a variety of grades of purity. <coughs> the bubble hash that evap that vaporizes completely what is called full melt it melts completely and vaporizes even though it's got the whole trichome body okay. that trichome body will vaporize so there's going to be no residue left right bangers what you're saying right that's how clean it is yeah so the witty uh, term uh, that i'm known for coming up with witty terms fully melted both infers that our product is full melt and that using it will um Get you to an altered state of consciousness. Are you oh, licking me? Friendly with you, good girl. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Too many okay. teeth. Too many teeth. I get it. No teeth. I'll keep my teeth to myself. Are you sniffing good me? Girl. You want to sniff me? You want to taste oh, me? Oh, good girl. Mm. Oh, teeth. So moody. Yeah. She's like, well, he has hash. He might be okay. Well, can I have some water? You like squat? You want to? Can I rub your face? No. You want to know about that? Pepper be friendly. Yes, I'm struggling with building my Instagram now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this whole like, you know, oh, I've got to do all this, and I got to like film myself. I got to be, I got to be a personality again. I'm creating a whole, creating a whole side, you know, deal to to be solventless. <laughs> and I and I can't, you know, I, I mean, I, I just yeah, I grew up in the '70s. I can't, I can't not be Paul from the Diamond Center, or, or uh, you know, yeah, yeah. You just you just have to drop into the you know the stupid. Uh, uh, commercial blah 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 right billy from the furniture store <laughs> well i mean what you're talking on uh, the, the issue of customer acquisition basically is a, an issue for everybody in the cannabis game even the guys with the big money are struggling totally to do it. you see ease in those dudes and the amount of money they say it costs to acquire a single customer oh. that nobody yeah. like with those numbers and those figures and using the channels they are social media which is really problematic obviously because they're community guidelines yeah um it's just not affordable by any other brand yeah, and you know, because Prop 64 was also paid for by Weed Maps, and Weed Maps inserted their own legislation, which prevented anybody else from being able to advertise in the cannabis industry, and that just, the hammer just came down, and you can no longer billboard advertise on an interstate. So it's going to get a lot harder for these big players who are like, you know, we're spending the big money to be out fully in public uh, by billboard advertising. They are now going to have to take a step back and all they can do is be electronically, you know, how much more am I going to pay Google than the next guy is paying Google to be the top search pick in this region? And how much money am I going to put into... weed maps in order to be the first hit on weed maps and that's that's extremely clean it's a 
it's a beautiful product mm-hmm. but it takes it takes a lot of care to, to manage it and to get it you know delivered properly yeah. and this is why you know I have always been trying to structure the the hash club I had a del- distributor take four or five hundred grams of product from us and take it back to their warehouse without properly keeping it frozen and then they kept calling me every month and going, oh, I took, some, I took some samples, but it was all buttered up and they didn't like it. And I was like, what do you mean? Everything was perfect when I sent it to you. You know, what, what, is, what has happened? And I, and I had yeah. some product that I had a freezer that had gone down and I thought, oh, maybe there was a case of that sour diesel in there that went weird. And we kept checking and kept going, which product? Which product is going weird? And I finally went to their shop and everything they had was buttered. And I was like, what the fuck? You guys fucked up. $12,000 worth of product. That's wild. For 18, like what the what is going on? Because if you aren't in this sort of if you haven't learned about live products and the necessity of refrigeration and how amazing they are, then or you just didn't have it together for whatever reason, you can make this mistake that burns a lot of product for somebody who has taken a lot of effort and time to manufacture it. Uh, so that kind of sucked and that was a you know another painful lesson and it's why i'm trying to that's why you know the idea of the hash club was that we would have our own kind of temperature controlled exactly distribution and delivery systems so that everybody's getting the product in just the way they need to and right now you can't buy trichomes anywhere there's no shop that's handling them there's no buddy who's really making them at least live trichomes mm. because it's a high bar to get that product delivered. keep it frozen its entire yep. life until it gets to customer yep and yeah and it, like we talked about earlier with there being two people in between the customer and the brand there's no way the brand could ever ensure that right yep. so there's no way to ensure the the customer experience that you're getting or the quality of the product yeah, and so that's great that we're able to achieve that with the Hash Club now. That Yay. everybody's getting their their Wook packs <laughs> completely frozen. Yes, and uh, I I I gotta say this is last week of just kind of going around to all the glass shops and right on all of you groovy people at all the uh, head shops in NorCal. Thank you, uh, all of the people who of the people who manage and work in these shops who are really familiar with cannabis love rosin or that's all they use. They are just thrilled and they all are understanding the huge roadblock of prop 64, making that unavailable to them, unavailable to their clients. And they're like, Oh, you know, I have clients asking me, you know, where do I get the, you know, the good shit all the time. Uh, they are sort of the de facto real bud tender of the industry because Mm -hmm. they're handling all of the required, uh, accoutrements to using the product so people expect oh, them to be knowledgeable yeah exactly where I pick up my dab rig and my bong at I'm yep. like those are the homies yep. right? those are people you kind of trust that are helping you out with the glass purchase in the first place so I was, it's been a it's been a very kind of homecoming-y week after you know a month of you know <laughs> my commute to Humboldt and grinding in the in the washroom and making a bunch of hash to go out and find a bunch of people who are like really thrilled about it and thrilled to be able to be an access point for people who want to get great hash mm-hmm. and be able to get it without getting killed with the uh, grinding price problem of the current exactly. market condition. Right. Or making you pay an arm and a leg to just be able to get that knowledge to somebody that they could get that product. Yeah. 
right? Because uh, the most we get is Google search right now. <laughs> it's an SEO. Like. Uh, yes, paying paying into the morass of uh, the digital world. It's mm-hmm. no, no. Wow, I'm pretty stoned from that. Those tracks were delicious. And like you're saying, for me, this is you know the real problem in trying to the com the, the combination of trying to enjoy cannabis products and trying to have a thoughtful and witty, witty interview. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, and it's happened to me that uh, it, it got to be kind of challenging as I, as I got older that, you know, I really want to get stoned and do something and I get stoned. It's like, no, now you have to do this. I'm like, wait, I wanted to get stoned and I wanted to get stoned and do this, but now yeah. my brain is going over here and I've got to do this. And sometimes it's like, and I, I probably should be using more different kinds of more different cultivars of cannabis to try and accurately gauge where I want my brain to go. Mm. But I'm not using cannabis to such an extent that I really have that choice. So I just sort of get on the ride that I'm on. And sometimes it's the ride where I'm just like, yes, let's talk about blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, whoa, this couch is very nice. Yeah, and, sure. uh, <laughs> that's why I asked for that sour diesel in the first that's, place. That's why, I, that's why I loaded up my own sour diesel. Mm. I got. I have still got. I got. I've still got two shops to hit tonight. Oh yeah, and the Illusion Smoke Shop right here is my homies here. Uh, I buy all my glass from them. They've really been friendly to me, and we've been talking to them about working together. As Great. with their delivery. I, you licked me. Okay. How do I taste? My my good taste. Oh, pepper meat somebody today. My taste. Oh. You like, is that a ball? That ball's not for you. That ball's not for you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're on your list. I'm leaving you with a list of... Yeah, no, I'll defi- I'm definitely going to hit them. Illusions. Up. Yeah, those are my friends over there. They oh, great. a couple smoke shops around here in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it was, you know, uh, interesting to find out. When I... I used to work with uh, Randy's Wired Rolling Papers guy who owned that was a friend of mine. And so I did a couple uh, of the amazing back, back, back in the day uh, head shop trade shows. The head shop trade show in Vegas. That was some, that was some fun. Um... But the, you know, realizing that uh, he had, we had this, he had this friend, he wound up doing a work release program for this guy who had been busted uh, for weed, but that guy owned like two head shops and he made all his money off of head shops and he was the nicest guy and was like, oh yeah, you know, this is an integral part of the business and it's the, you know, kind of safer until legalization came around or 215 came around, it was the safer part of the business to be in, obviously, although, you know, they were my friend, he got completely ruined uh, by the Bush administration's paraphernalia law. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. They named his products specifically to the paraphernalia list and made it federally illegal. And it just destroyed his business and he fucking left the country. Had to go like that. Yeah. He went and became an illegal alien (laughs) in in Canada uh, so he could fucking, you know, not get arrested for making rolling papers, which were probably 50% used by tobacco smokers. Yeah. So it's just another insane overreach and, you know, stupid law in order to enforce the war on some drugs, the drugs that are disapproved and not, you know, not properly taxed, not formulated for the, uh, you know, government's uh, benefit. 
Precisely. Either that or um, now, even with California struggling with flavored tobacco. Um, and that since, you know, I'm not allowed to have taste buds or want to have a great flavored Swisher to roll my weed in. Yeah. I have to have a honey fusion Dutch now as at the best. Ah, yeah, I was impressed. It has been interesting going into all the all, every smoke shop and head shop in NorCal and seeing ones with these just vast displays of juice flavors. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I walked into a shop the other day, and I, you know, kind of nice neighborhood. And this, you know, soccer mom got in in front of me. And she was like, "Oh, this this bubblegum flavor vape tasted terrible. It tasted like candle wax. Can I exchange it?" And I wanted one of these, one of these, and I need a I need a cinnamon, and I need a. It's just like, wow, man, this is just this is the go juice that uh, America is running on now. We've we've just converted everything to go juice, and uh, and it comes in every flavor you want. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had these, you know, I had these arguments at the beginning, you know five years ago I was like wow am I gonna you know should we make cherry pop tart flavored oil carts or is that just a fucking crime against weed and uh and a lot of people say that's a crime I sit around I'm I've always been a purist I'm just a fucking asshole of moral integrity and it's ruined me and everyone uh, everyone who comes in contact with me but yeah I came up loving the weed and the artistry of the breeders and the amazing flavors that they're able to con- connive out of that the genetics really should be respected and and that's the amazing thing about live rosin is that you know, I mean, I remember I've smoked strawberry fucking weed, you know, for years and like, eh, yeah, well. but you take a dab of that strawberry banana and it's, whoa, that subtaste of strawberry with no alteration, no bullshit added to it, no nothing. It's right there and that little hint of banana, like you really, you really uh, jump to the head of the class of understanding what, you know, how these flavors got named mm-hmm. and you know if you do the deep research on how those terpene profiles are actually creating that too much for me i can't i can't study that much at this <laughs> point no that's actually something i'm covering in weed society basics and a lot of the, the knowledge that i'm trying to push to help everybody out and getting a better high and helping and value the market better and being able to choose your weed space. It was interesting. I was listening listening to a psychiatrist uh, interview yesterday about why he kind of of pulled away from psychiatry because he was sort of demanded by the model to prescribe drugs that he felt weren't you know really helping people at all and that the whole model and when he started really how to research how these drugs worked and you know the the drive towards antidepressants it's like they're that your depression is is coming from any of any number of sources you may have physical injury you may have an emotional loss you may have a neurological condition you may have all these different things and we're giving you this one blunt tool that blunts the function of your brain to supposedly heal although you're going to be addicted to it for life uh your part-time dissatisfaction with the way that you are living or that your life is unfolding or your circumstances are presenting and uh, that was 
you know, kind of pushed him away from that. And when you, you know, pushed him toward a very alternative model and, you know, not weed either, but when you start to understand these terpene values and, and understand that, you know, there's people who are going to get, you know, I don't want to smoke this weed that's going to get me way too high, uh, but there are terpene values and THC and CBD, CBG and uh, other uh, values that are going to steer you toward the state that you really want to be in or to the healing uh, that you need or the, uh, you know, the remedial medical properties that you need. And that science, I think, is hopefully just beginning, uh, maybe being, you know, slightly undertaken, but it could be a just a fabulous leap for yeah because of legalization or because of regulation because well no because because of prohibition exactly prohibition that's the correct word to use here yes because it's illegal and this dogma that society still holds on it today and and that's a big thing that i'm trying to attack with weed society is kind of kind of crowdsourcing consumer experience yeah and, and with the forums really trying to push by product and by 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 strain or even by you know sativa or indica which is a very broad terms oh it's yeah just uh, that's i mean yeah it's another exactly. you know we, the it other makes, meaningless your skin crawl another meaningless term that you know based on some right. white white men who happened to find the plant in a different place and thought they should give it a different name now, is that more based off of appellation uh, uh where yeah certain plants were found well it's like, just the the uh morphism of the plant it takes on different characteristics Based depending on where it's, it's the environment it's growing in right, you know, like, and yeah. the conditions create the the plant structure so you know what i i met jeff raber who started the the uh this is the lab uh it was just called lab it's like the biggest cannabis lab in the la area and then they got busted because he was running an extraction for all of his clients and uh and then testing testing their weed and extracting it and giving them their extract back was their model um and one day an a cop was at some gas station down the street and somebody told him they thought they smelled weed and he came and found their spot and called in this huge uh, raid and there was just like massive bust and they're like what the fuck we have a license with the mayor and we are the first legal lab in California and they're like cops are like finding all these samples and they're like whoa this says LAPD and this says Huntington Beach PD and this says they're like yeah, we test weed samples for the police departments to tell them what's exactly going on. And the dude's like, oh, my God. And, like, and this is all the medical cannabis that we work with, all these medical clubs and all these patients. And they completely fucked up their lab and burned shit tons of people's products, like poured it all down the drain and then figured out that these were like the good guys. And little off topic sorry i must be stoned um he uh, raber did a study where he took uh 34 45 samples of og kush coming in from all of these you know all these people bringing him og kush and did an analysis of the terpene content and they were all over the map mm-hmm. they were all over the map and the assumption that a you know a, a sativa plant 
and an indica plant had these fixed characteristics of cannabinoid and terpene profile was completely wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could have any of these ranges depending on the way the plant was grown, who's growing it, what they're doing, what they're feeding to it, what its cycle is doing, and get very different effects out of it. That makes sense. So, uh, and that, you know, that, that whole nomenclature is old and in the way. Mm. Um, but it's the only thing that people know. It people still are. Right now. People are still asking. You know, can I indica or sativa? And I'm like, well, I mean, they crossed everything out by the mid '90s. There's, you know, to find <laughs> a pure, pure one think. or the other, you got to go to Afghanistan or you know, down to Panama. Spell it out and isn't trying to eat me. Fine and chill. Oh, did you pause it? She's chill. You know, you're winning when the dog licks you. Like, yeah. all right. She has to sneak back up later and say, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I understand. I know it's hard. But, yeah. No, I think we should do a second interview um, at the shop. And do it, yeah. And do it with a much better camera and some people. And, and Great. show the process. Show the magic. Ooh. And really make some good content for the Hash oh. Club and the yeah. ClickFunnels going forward. Yeah. I'm, you know, in another turn here. I just got to talk to my partner and see when his uh, next uh, crop is coming up. Because we'll probably want to. We've got some new flavors coming in. Yeah, we have a lot of we have yeah, a lot of slate since we've been you know since we've been cooking in the background for so long. We have a lot uh, t on the table for the hash club right now. Um, sour D and mm. strawberry banana and uh, oh that ice cream cake yes um, I saw that yeah. but we got a lot of cookies in the background we would come through testing and then we're going to have you know a bunch of the papaya and the mango flavors and stuff oh, coming man. up in the spring so we'll, we'll be ready to palette. yes yeah. be ready to flavor it up as we people can find that on fullymelted.com and hashclub.com hash dash club.com yeah some moron bought hash uh, hashclub.com and wanted to sell it for $27,000. And I'm like, dude, you probably don't even have any fucking hash to sell. Back up. Exactly. It's another suit. So. Well, thank you again. Thank uh, you. It's been blazing. Yeah, no, it's been <laughs> so smoke some more weed and turn off these cameras. There you go. All right.